stand up. We're going to do something a little different here. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art, and we're going to tag it with How Great Is Our God.
baby asked me, he said, do you, do you really still sing this? And I said, uh, no, I'm not concerned about it. He said, well, I, I, think, I think I have the right to sing it for you. And I thought, you know, okay. I said, yeah. And uh, this was a very, I mean, I love this song. Uh, now that I know the, the greater meaning behind this song, I even love it more. And uh, Ray Bates struggle verses, and you can hear the words of this struggle in, in this song itself, so I hope you'll enjoy it. That he paid the price alone on the cross. When he gave his life for me, only his soul covered me. But there's something else that hides. I want to know. Does he still? Hear my call to him pain, then I know I have to change. I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. Somebody say amen. It seems that I'm so good at breaking promises. And I treat his precious grace so
For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Somebody say amen. For to will, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do, I, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! Oh, hallelujah! Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God. Everybody say, I thank God. Hallelujah. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Now listen, living a Christian life involves facing both conflict and facing struggles. Sweetheart, it's a fight. I mean constantly. It's a fight. Listen, you, you cannot live the Christian life without being confronted with such. You're going to have, matter of fact, several times Paul mentioned, this, is, this war is going, this, this flesh is going to, going to war with the Spirit constantly. It's a constant war. And because, listen, and because of these struggles, there are those who would say that it, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to live a Christian life and just simply give up and quit. I've seen people do that. I, there's no way. You, 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 you're putting standards on me that I can't do. And I just quit. Let me tell you something. When you're, I, and I tell people this all the time. When, when we get this saved, when we get this mind saved, everything about us is saved. Hello? You can either say amen or oh me. When we get our mind saved, our walk is saved, our talk is saved, our life is saved, everything about us is saved because we walk in the light of the Lord. We walk according to His edict and His standards. And that's what living a holy life is. And yes, it's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle continuously. <laughs> I was asking you. And there's some, I want to say, professed believers don't really care whether or not there is a difference in their life. They don't care. As long as they have gone through the motions and they say that they are saved, and that's all that matters to them. Because we believe that as bad as we believe, once saved, always saved. Well, sweetheart, you need to get the first part right before you can claim the second part. Hello? This is yes. This is no. And then, and then, then there are, are, are those of us who, who have a, a genuine desire to live a life that is pleasing to God. Say, I want to live a life pleasing to God. We all do, right? That's our goal. And, 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 become, and then we become discouraged when, when we aren't exactly where we want to be. 
I know I do. I don't know about you. I, and I strive every day to, to live and walk that life. I tell people, do you really want to know what my goal is, Rocky? My, my goal is this, to be just like Peter. When my shadow passes somebody, they're healed. That's my goal. That's what I want to be. And that's what I try to be. And do I fail? Yeah. Miserably. As a matter of fact, when we, were, when, we, when we drove up, we were sitting in the car, and I was praying. And I, you know, I grabbed my baby Kim, and I started praying. And I said, Father, I, I said, I, said I, I really need to stay off of Facebook because it really wasn't my sense of situation. Because of all those stupid things that are going on. And I have, and I'm seriously, I have to repent often. Because I would just really like to take some of these people and just rip off their heads and just stick down their neck. I want to give you three things today. God's call for us to be holy, the obstacles of being holy, and the path of holiness. First, the call to holy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says these words. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't go to those places you used to. You don't talk the way you used to. You don't act the way you used to. You don't read the same thing. You're changed. There's a change. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct or in all your lifestyle. Because it is written, Be holy, God says, for I am holy. Look, when God saved you, He saved you to become His holy people, to shine as a reflection in the world that, that is full of darkness. First Peter, one of my favorite verses is, is found in First Peter chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10. And I want you to listen to this. He says, But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are His own special people. In the King James Version, he says, You're, you're peculiar. Say, I'm peculiar. Not only am I peculiar, not only am I peculiar, I'm odd because I'm a child of the king. <laughs> but you, you, you are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody say amen to that. And then I love verse 10. It says, who were not, you see that, who were not a people. You were just one time a person, a people. But now it says, now you are the people. You belong to God. You're something special to God. You are His own special people. You are you are a chosen generation. You are a royal nation. You are a holy nation. You are a you are His special people. You were just some one time a people, a person. Now you are the people, a people of God. Somebody say Amen. And are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. One of my favorite 
uh, uh, preacher is D.L. Moody. And he once said, the holy life will make the deepest impression. He said, because lighthouses don't blow horns, they just shine light. Amen? They just shine light. Listen, go to with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 14 and 17. And listen, and there, there are five things that, because holiness means that we are, it means that we're separated. We're not the same people. We're, we're not like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't perform like the world. We don't do the things of the world. We're we nothing like the world. We're odd. We're peculiar, as the King James says. It says here, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And he gives you five things, five things. That, that, that he gives you to the church of Corinth. He says, one, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Three, what accord has Christ with Belial? Or four, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And five, what agreement has the temple, temple of God with idols? He says, for you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. He says, therefore, get out of Egypt. He says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. This world has nothing to offer you but stuff that's unclean. Period. Holiness means to be pure, without blemish, without the stain of sin. Paul's first letter to Timothy, he, he tells him, he said, he said, don't don't be anxious. In, in 1 Timothy five twenty two, he says, he said, don't be anxious to lay lay hands on on anyone hastily. He says, nor share other sin, people's sins because. So somebody, if you lay hands on somebody that, 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 that's living in sin, said you're, you're going to be a living part of their sin. He said, don't, don't lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. He said, keep yourself pure in the sight of God. Uh, a clergyman was asked a, a poor little boy before him. He said, he said what is holiness? Well, thereupon this poor, poor young man in tattered rags jumps up and says, uh, please, uh, Your Reverence, he says, holiness means that you're clean inside. And that's what it is. Because what does what the Word of God says in John? He, uh, you know, God doesn't look on the outward side. He looks at what? He looks at your heart. He looks at you on the inside. And then the second one is the obstacle of being holy. When we come to Christ, Salvation. We 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 are the recipients of far more than just redemption from the penalty of sin. We are. Listen. We have we have a a new standing with God. We are now we are standing in righteousness because of His Son Jesus Christ. We are now become the righteousness of God. So we have a new standing with God. We are are now the children of God with a new direction, and we are the children of God with a new home. We have a new master, and we have a new life. But as we strive, listen, as we strive to live this new life, there are forces, I'm guaranteeing there are forces that seek to stop you dead in your tracks. 
3.14. Ephesians, and if you have a solo, if you, if you, if you, anybody, I have some, a few, how many have a left? I have a total if you if you want some today's scriptures I have four left here and I can get to pass them all out three left three left so I have them and Ephesians should be should be six twelve it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood when your boys upset you. It's not the flesh and blood in them that upsets you. It's Satan using them that upsets you. When your son or when your family or you, when your aunt, your uncle, your, even your spouse, I guarantee you, you know, we, we, we have, all, all of us have disagreements. And I can almost count exactly when Satan's going to attack my baby and I right before I preach. Right before I sing and do a concert, he's going to make sure that my mind is not on Christ Jesus. That my that my mind is on our conflict. Are you understanding? Because the Bible tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You do not wrestle against your neighbor. You don't wrestle against your your spouse. You don't wrestle against your children. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what you wrestle against. Satan does not want you happy. Satan does not want you full of joy. Satan does not want you to walk in, in the abundant life that God has promised you. And if he can disrupt your life, honey, he's going to do it. You hear me this morning. Then we look over at First John, chapter two, verses sixteen and seventeen. He says, "For all that is in the world, hello." Does anybody know what the word "all" means in the Greek? It means all. <laughs> he says, "For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world." Listen, you don't need rocket science to understand that. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, the first obstacle that I want to present to you is the world. In James 1.27, it says, Pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's what you're supposed to do. The world, the world is your first obstacle. It's going to be your obstacle. And, 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 I don't, I, and I don't know if you've noticed, but when you are serious about being a follower of Jesus Christ, this world just does not get you. And because they just don't get you, they're going to try to get at you. Hello? Listen, living, living a holy life in this world is a, it's a, it's a, it's a fight. It's tough. And nowadays it's even getting tougher. Second Timothy 3, verse 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, hello, you will suffer persecution. You can't get around it. It says over in John 16, 33, and that one's not there. Chad, I put that one in a while ago. 
John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, in Christ Jesus, you will have peace. Because in this world, you will have problems. He says, But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And that's what he's talking about. And, and listen, and then ask D.L. Moody again. Now that I'm converted, he says, have I, do I have to give up the world? And, and Mr. Moody answers, no. You don't have to give up the world. Listen, he, he said, because if you, if you have a good ringing testimony, the world is going to give you up quickly. Because they don't want to have anything to do with you. Because they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want to hear about the blood sacrifice. They don't, they don't want to hear any of that. So they're going to give you up quickly. In John 15, 19, it says, If you were of the world... The world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore, guess what? The world's going to hate you. Say amen, y'all. They do hate us. They hate anything that's Christianity. They hate hate anything that's Christ Jesus. They hate anything about the church. That's the first thing that they wanted to close down was the church, and they just about did it. Hello? My word. Look, in its hatred of Christians who live a Christian life, this world will. If they cannot destroy you, they're going to seek to entice you and make you promises that give give you pleasure, give you power, give you prestige give you prosperity, anything to turn you away from Christ, they're going to offer that to you. You just have to say no and live the holy life. And there, and this, this is proven in, in, in Paul's second letter to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 10. And, and it's a very successful lament that Paul brings. He says, he says where he, he sighs, where Paul sighs, he says, Demas has forsaken me Having love of this present world, in other words, the world offered more to Demas than than than, than Paul could, could give him as serving Christ Jesus. So Demas went back to the world. Then the second obstacle is guess who? The devil. Living the, the, living a successful Christian life, the devil is going to to disrupt your life completely. It says First Peter five eight. It says, "Be sober, be vigilant." Because your adversary, the devil, works, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is going to, listen, if he can disrupt your life, he's going to do it. And he's going to use anybody and everybody just to do that. He's going to use your best friend. He's going to use your family. He's going to use somebody to make you unhappy and make you disgruntled and make you discouraged. He's going to do that. Because he doesn't want you to live a holy life. So the devil is, is, is the obstacle in, in, in your life. And, and over the years, I mean, seriously, when, when, when I was younger, it was a long time ago, y'all. <laughs> they didn't need your help. When I was younger, growing up, my grandma said, you know, the devil's going to get you. 
we listen. And over the years, some Christians have, you know, have, have, have had a misconception that Satan and his demons are, 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 no, are no longer active today. But, you know, that's just for, you know, for a good Hollywood movie or a, a good video game or a good TV series. Folks, hear me out. Listen, hear me out. The devil is real and he's alive and well. And he's, he's out to disrupt your life continually. At a, at a testimony meeting back in, in the hill country and, and the mountainous region, one man expressed discouragement because after three years of, of discipleship, he still had severe struggles with Satan. Well, a veteran Christian in the service of the Lord replied, he said, it took me 20 years to get the hill back of my born reasonably free from rattlesnakes. And after 50 years, I still meet one occasionally. He said, my brother, the devil is, harsh, is harder to deal with than the rattlesnake. <laughs> and it really was. Listen, I, I, we, we, we watch on, on Flash TV the, the strongest man. And, and they, they, the guy is, is called the beast. And, and, and he can deadlift 1,200 pounds. That's a lot of weight, y'all. But even, even the strongest man that ever lived, even him, is not strong enough to meet Satan in his tactics. Because you got to meet you got to meet Satan in his tactics head on with Christ Jesus and the Word of God, Amen. And then, then the biggest obstacle is the enemy within our sinful nature, and that's the flesh, and that's the flesh. In Romans seven nineteen, he, he, he Paul again says, "For the good that I will to do, I do not do; but the evil I will not to do." He says, "That's what I practice." Listen, every one of us, and yes, including you, every one of us is born with a sin nature. Everybody say yes. I know that. And Psalm fifty one says, "Behold." I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. A man once told a minister that, that he just could not swallow what the preachers call the original sin. And the preacher said, well, there's really no occasion for you to swallow it. It's already inside you. Every one of us is born with original sin. We have there, and when, while we re- listen, while we receive a new nature, when we receive Christ as our Savior, our old nature, the flesh. Listen to me, our old nature, the flesh, is not eradicated. It's still there. You still have it. You still war with it. Paul said you're going to continue to war with it until you meet Christ Jesus Himself. Just because you're saved does not mean that you have lost your sin nature. You will not lose that sin nature until you are with Christ. Period. Romans 7, verses 23, 22 and 23 says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And you are going to continue to war. Number three, the last one, the path of holiness. The path of holiness. 
Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. Somebody say amen. I found this little story last night. After two men were discussing the experience of a deeper Christian life, one asked, is heart holiness a crisis or is heart holiness a process? And the other replied by asking the question, well, how did you, you get from the town where you live to this place right here? He said, well, I came by train, was the answer. And, and, and the man said, well, uh, uh, and did the train bring you by one great sudden leap from your town to here? He said, well, no, it just kept coming closer more and more. And he said, and when you're boarding the train, how did you do it? Was it more and more, or was it just one complete step? He said, well, it was just one step, and I was on the train. Exactly, he said, the minister, he said, you stepped in instantly. He said, that was a crisis. He said, as you journey to keep getting nearer and nearer to your final destination, he said, that's the process. And that's what our process is, getting closer and closer, drawing closer and closer with God, living, living a, a, a holy life. On a day-by-day basis, we draw closer and closer to, to what God wants us to be, to that, that image of Christ. Amen? You, you listen, you can, have, you can have victory in your Christian life and live a life that pleases God. In Galatians 5.16, he, he said, because of this, he said, I say to you then, he says, walk in the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we walk in the Spirit of the Lord, we're not going to do the things of the world. We're going to be trying to do the things of God. Can you say amen to that? Listen, to, to walk in the Spirit, you must feed the Spirit and you must starve the flesh. We do just the opposite, y'all. This is yes. This is no. This is I don't care. But we do. We do the opposite. Listen, victory can be accomplished through, through drawing close to God in prayer. In James 4, 8, 8 says, He says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your, hand, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Draw near to God in prayer. Martin Luther said, listen, if I should neglect prayer but a single day, I should lose a great deal of, of the fire that God has in me with my faith. And John, John Bunyan said, prayer will make a man one cease to cease from sin... Our sin will entice you so much it will make a man cease from prayer. Oh my. And we can't do that. We can't do that. It's just Paul writes here to Thessalonica. Welcome back. Thessalonica. 517. He says, Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. A, a little Christian girl once asked, uh, asked if Satan did not tempt her. Doing the, doing the wrong things and, and has him kept from doing them. And she said, well, she said, yes, and he, he wants me uh, to do wrong. He tries to get me, but when Satan comes to knock on my door, uh, he said, I, I, tell, I, I tell him to Jesus, and he answers the door. So when Satan sees Jesus, he runs. And many times we, are, we want to answer the door. Just let Christ answer the door. And we run. Victory can be accomplished through feeding on God's Word. In Psalms 119, verse 9, he says, How can a young man cleanse his way? He says, By taking heed according to your Word. According to God's Word. Listen, 
we, we are living in, 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 in a dirty, filthy, stinking world, and because of, of the pollution that's around us, we have to walk in the Word of God. And, and I, there, there's there's a, 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 a little story that goes on. You know, we are, we are in this world, and we're in a boat. And we can float along in this boat. And that boat won't sink until we let the world get inside the boat. Hello? You understand what I'm talking about? We, we've got to live in the world. We've got to float around in this world, but we don't have to let the world get in our boat. We just don't have to. Warren Worsby said God's Word has a cleansing effect. God's Word has a cleansing effect, but you must get into the Word before it becomes effective in your life. You have to study God's Word. You have to get the Word into your mind. You have to get the Word into your heart. You have to live the Word. You have to obey God's Word, and He will keep you clean from this dirty world. Listen, to, to find the power of the Word of God, listen, you must read God's Word, you must learn God's Word, and you must make God's Word a part of you by, by hiding it in your heart. And the way that you hide it in your heart is by memorizing God's Word. When Satan comes to attack you, you give him the Word. We shared it with others. We can have victory. It can be accomplished through yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit in Romans 6, 11, and 13. And I love this verse, uh, this chapter this chapter in, in Romans. He says, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. And do not yield. And the word yield there is, is, is paraestime, which means to, to, to place at one's disposal. When you place yourself at the disposal of Satan, then you're going to do the deeds of Satan. But if you place yourself at the disposal of God, you're going to do the things of God. Somebody say amen. It says, do not yield or place at one's disposal your members as an instrument of, of unrighteousness to sin. But place at disposal yourself to God as being alive from, from the dead and your members as the instrument of the righteousness of God. Romans 6.16 again says, Do not do you not know to whom you yield or whom you place your disposal? That you yourselves are going to be the slaves to obey that whomever you place at disposal. Are you understanding where I'm coming from? If you place yourself at the disposal to the world, you're going to do the bidding to the world. But if you place yourself at the disposal of God, you're going to do your bidding to God. And in verse, in case of the verb yield in, in, in verse 13 means to place at one's disposal, place at God's disposal to, to, to present, to offer as a living sacrifice, and to do this once for all and continually placing yourself at the disposal of God. Here's what he wants. He says, Satan, his supernatural enemy will take the supernatural power and won't take you into the supernatural power from God. Because God, Christ is that power. And Christ is a believer. Not only is he our hope for glory, but Christ is our hope for victory. Amen? He is not only our hope for glory, but Christ is our hope for victory. You see, victory can be accomplished through getting busy by serving God. There's an old saying, idle hands is a devil's workshop. Did you hear that? Okay. Romans 
NFL 21 says this. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 6, 13 says, and do not yield. There's that, there, there, there we come again, verse 13. Pray for the members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but pray for the closing itself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as an instrument of righteousness to God. Here, listen, as a Christian following in the footsteps of Christ, as it says in Romans 12, 1, that we need to present our bodies a living, living sacrifice. That when we walk among men in this world, they know without a shadow of a doubt. Everybody look at me. They know without a shadow of a doubt that to whom you belong. They don't even have to ask. Hello? They don't even have to ask. They can see your life shining. Remember I said a while ago with, 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 with moving sets, lighthouses don't blow horns. They just shine lights. And that's what God wants us to do. When God says, Regardless of, of, of what you ask me to do, regardless, regardless of wherever you want me to go, here I am. Lord, send me and let me live that holy life for you. Can you say amen? Let me say, with, with your uplifted hand, Brother Raiders, I want to live that holy life. Can I see your hand? Raise them high, please. Raise them high. Amen. Satan doesn't want you full of joy. Satan doesn't want you to be prosperous. Satan doesn't want you to be in good spirits. If he can get you discouraged, if he can get you disgruntled, if he can get you yeah, yeah with somebody, he's going to do just that. But that's not living the holy life, guys. Y'all, that's not living the holy life. Living the holy life is keeping your eyes on God. Regardless of what happens around the world, keeping your eyes on God. Remember I told you a while ago, when this is saved, when your mind is saved, everything about you is saved. Your walk is saved. Your talk is saved. Everything about you is saved. Because you want, you will want to do the bidding of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you want to do. And it makes no difference what this world does or what this world has to offer. Your light, your, your eyes are upon Christ Jesus and to do His bidding. Can you say amen to that? Say, that's where my eyes are set. Everybody say, that's where my eyes are set. Is on Christ Jesus. To do His will. And to do His bidding. Hallelujah. Shall we bow our heads? And close our eyes reverently, please. No one looking around, please. Close your eyes. With the uplift hands of Brother Raiders, I'm not where I should be in Christ Jesus. Amen.
been explained to you. That's my prayer. And as tall as the elevators, I'm not a child of God. I have not been born again. I have not accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I need to do that today. I need to do that today. Because He can I see your hand? Several of you raise your hand right there to about ten of you raise your hand right there. You're not living the life that you want to live for Christ. We're going to pray, all of us. Because we all need that prayer. I need that prayer. Especially in the time that we're living right now, I need that prayer. So pray with me. Say, Father, everybody say, Father, I thank you that you have allowed me to be in this service. Father, I know I'm not living the life that I need to live. I ask in the name of Jesus, instill in me to let my life so shine that others in this world, regardless whether it's my friends, whether it's my family, that they will see Christ in me. In Jesus' name. Church says.